Hey guys, John Paulamy here, Actual Intelligence. Today's Saturday, March 5th, and this is the weekly market update. As usual, and please pay attention to this, disclaimer, this is not investment advice. I am not a financial advisor. The things that we're gonna discuss on here are very high risk speculations. They are not probably appropriate for most people. Please, please do your own due diligence. It's your money. It's your responsibility. Okay, before I get started, um, just a quick couple updates. Number one, uh, yes, I'm aware that the Actionable Intelligence Alert website has a WordPress critical error. Um, I will get to it eventually. Right now, I am just finishing up the monthly newsletter, which is going out today or yesterday. This is being recorded on Friday. Um, and, you know, I have to do a lot of work with the videos and stuff. So it's kind of not the highest priority, but I get it for subscribers. I will upload the back issues. Um, people have asked me about, uh, to a, a drive that will have a password and I'll put that out via email to subscribers. Um, so you'll have access to that. So I'll get that going. Um, really things have blown up so much on this newsletter business of mine. I mean, it's getting to the point of almost being unmanageable. It's really doing well. I didn't expect this thing to do like it is. I mean, obviously with the markets, the way they are, the things that we've been talking about, you know, we're in the focus, we're in the wheelhouse of what we thought was going to happen um, with commodities and resources. But uh, the interest has been high, the support has been high, the business is just blowing up. So um, it's taking time because I have a full-time job. I typically work Monday through Saturday for 10 to 12 hours a day on construction projects. So I think it, we're getting to a decision point here where I'm either going to have to do this full-time or bring on some help or something. I don't know. It's getting difficult. So I'm not an IT expert. Um, so it's going to take me some time to fix the uh, website, but I will get to it. But, uh, you know, having a lot of growth and doing, you know, good, um, doing well in the business is a good thing in my mind. So the other thing is uh, many people have reached out with uh, inquiries about support, about my family in Ukraine. Everything is fine in the city they're in. Uh, there was virtually no combat in the city. It was on the um, outskirts. The Russians have already moved on. The main combat forces, obviously, there's um, interior ministry troops and small detachments in the city, uh, but there's no like partisan activity or anything like that. I mean, it's just everything's kind of my wife said that every day that goes by now for the last couple of days, more and more people are coming out. Stores are starting to open, but there's no resupply, right? So a lot of uh, Red Cross uh, handouts are happening at the Central Square, things like that. So food and medicine will become an issue at some point. I mean, the Ukrainian government's fighting for its life. So, you know, our hospitals are going to be able, I mean, there's a lot of questions and uncertainty about what could happen, but uh, we're fortunate that, uh, we feel blessed that there was no uh, fighting in the city. Um, unlike other places like Kharkiv and Maripol, probably maybe Kiev are going to uh, unfortunately have quite a bit of fighting in them. And a lot of civilians are going to be affected, displaced, killed. So it's not good. Uh, but we were fortunate. We're grateful for that. So what I wanted to talk about before I get into the slides is um, some people were not happy with some of my comments last week. I, I really can't, you know, most people uh, in the comments seem to get what we're trying to talk about. 
you know, I'm a biased person, just like everybody else. Everybody, every human being has biases, but what we need to do is fight against those biases when we're dealing with very important subject matters. Yes, if we're sitting in the sauna or at a bar and talking about, you know, politics, it doesn't cost us anything. Everybody has an opinion. But the idea is to, when you're dealing with investing, speculating, important subjects in your life, it's appropriate to look at things with or try to be as unbiased as possible. What do I mean? I mean, if you have a lump in your breast, you don't just say, well, I don't have cancer. That's just, you know, benign. You go get it checked out. Okay. You get the facts and the facts sometimes aren't what we like. Um, and like I said, our biases sometimes cloud our views on things. That's just human nature. But as Munger says, we have to constantly wrestle and purge biases. It has no place when you're um, investing. Um, I'm sorry that this happened. I'm not real happy that Ukraine got invaded. It really upset a lot of my things going on with my family. I haven't seen my wife in a year. We have other relatives that are being affected. Um, I have investments in Ukraine that are being affected. So, you know, the human cost in a lot of the cities, it's, it's terrible. It's horrible. There's no good guys in, in this. Okay. So I'm not pro Putin. Putin, you know, probably more than likely early in his career, um, had the FSB blow up two apartment buildings and blame it on the Chechens so he could instigate a war in Chechnya. Um, Putin, you know, kills journalists. Putin seeks out people around the world like that guy in London that they injected with plutonium. I, I can't remember his name. It was some kind of dissident or somebody that didn't agree with the regime. But that's no different than any regime, right? MBS killing that uh, Khashoggi guy, the U.S. Uh, blowing uh, families up in, you know, the Middle Eastern countries where children are, you know, some terrorist has his family there and they blow the whole outfit up. So it's not equivalency, but let's not pretend like, you know, uh, what, we do, what we have done is we create these caricatures and it clouds our thinking. And I think what I'm going to get into in this video, the clouding of the thinking, the reacting, the responding to the caricature instead of what actually are the facts uh, is going to lead, unfortunately, I think, to a lot of pain and suffering for many people on this planet over the next couple of years. So let's get into it. So Pepe Escobar wrote an article. He's, you know, against globalism. I'll put a link to the article, but uh, Michael Hudson is an economist. And the gist of the article was, you know, how Russia is going to respond to the sanctions. I mean, we see now the largest, most, um, stringent sanctions have been put on Russia than have been put on any country in the world ever. And it's so bad. I mean, it's even affecting things. What do I mean? Like um, not allowing Russian athletes to participate at the Paralympics in Beijing, um, kicking Russian students out of the US, all these kind of things like this. It's uh, really running hot, the emotions in the West. But when we look at the financial things, you know, what you have to, if you come up with a caricature that you're just dealing the Russians as some kind of cartoon characters that just decided to do this um, and didn't think everything through, um, I think that as part of the battle plan, I'm quite sure they knew there was going to be sanctions. Maybe they didn't know they're going to be this great. Maybe, I mean, we don't know. Okay. And what I think though, is that the U.S. and this European allies or partners in the EU and NATO 
I don't get an idea. I don't get, I don't get a view that they've thought this out. Um, there was a lot of populism. People need to do something, you know, putting people, you know, reacting emotionally. And you have to remember something, you know, we have elections coming up in many European countries and in the congressional elections here in November. So all of a lot of not all, but a lot of the political decisions that are made are decisions that are made in, in these so-called democracies um, are made based on the election cycle. And right now you have a president in the United States that even with polls that are favorable to him is at 37% approval. Um, and you have, you know, questions about maybe a failed presidency and people are not happy. And we haven't even got into the real pain that's going to happen. So what I would suggest to you is, as I'm going to get into this video is Russia is not some minor player on the world, on the world stage. Yes. It's economy is not as that large. It's only about as large as Spain's, but you will, you will find out that the things that we need from them in the world are key components to life for many people. And so this Pepe Escobar article goes into what are going to be some of the repercussions or the, you know, it's all right, we've put all these sanctions on the Russians. We've said their central bank, we're, you know, many banks are cut out of SWIFT now in Russia, but this is having knock-on effects that I don't think many people have considered. And I don't, it doesn't appear to me, I may be wrong, it doesn't appear to me that a lot of the leadership in the West has considered some of the knock-on and second and third level effects that are going to happen. And we're already seeing it a couple days after the sanctions went in. And we haven't even got into, you know, as Russia now starts turning its ratchet down on some things. And we're going to get into that. But this Michael Hudson, who's uh, kind of an anti-globalist economist, you can take that for you want, but I kind of agree with this statement. The U.S. and Western Europe expected a happy war, uh, uses a German term. Germany and other countries haven't begun to feel the pain of gas and mineral and food deprivation. That's going to be the real game. And that's what I want to get into, into this. I want to make you aware of at least. You can come to any conclusion you would like. I'm not going to tell you what conclusion to come to. I'm going to show you the facts, and then you can decide for yourself. And then that can or cannot, in your mind, create opportunities that are already happening. So here's the facts that everybody understands. You know, here are Europe's depends on Russian natural gas. It's just that simple. The Europeans, for many reasons, and I'm not going to get into over a couple decades now, um, you know, have decided that, uh, you know, or have allowed themselves to become dependent on Russian gas for heating, for industrial. It's not just heating. People say, well, we're coming out of the winter. You know, fertilizer, urea, ammonia, uh, furnaces in manufacturing and steel making and in uh, glass making and all these other things that you need gas for, uh, for chemical production in petrochemical plants. Um, look at the levels. Some of the, I mean, you have some of the smaller countries here, uh, you know, that are 100% or close to 100%, but look at like Germany, okay? is over like almost 50%. Um, Hungary, um, you know, Austria. I mean, Germany is the fourth largest economy in the world and it has allowed itself to become dependent on um, Russian gas. And even these other countries, even like the UK, 
And France, I mean, if you take 20% of the natural gas away, uh, then what, what does that mean to an economy? Um, can you just replace it? Yes, you can go on the world market, but now you're bidding against Asia and other places, okay? And there's no, you know, so it's not easy to just replace these things when we're already, see, this is the precarious nature of commodity markets that I tell people. You know, supply and demand typically, you know, are very close to matching, okay? Just because of the cyclicality and the low margin business that is commodity production. So if you, I've explained this many times in the past. So if you get, slightly more supply than demand, the price comes down a lot, right? Because the, the same, conversely, if you are a one or 2% uh, supply deficit, that can make prices go up to encourage what? Demand destruction, commit to send messages to the market that um, to produce more of that commodity, and then you balance again. So if you just, for many of these countries, they've allowed themselves to become dependent. Okay, and natural gas prices, um, you know, are very high in Europe, and it's affecting the industry. Now, as far as I know, as of the tape or time of this video, I mean, the Russians are still sending gas through Ukraine and uh, sending gas to Europe. So that's a that's a if you're in a situation where you've now created a, uh, a, a, a somehow where you can't pay for the gas because you've shut the Russians out of the system which they haven't fully, by the way, uh, just certain banks were. Uh, but if you, you, you know, as uh, Jack Nicholson said in The Departed, no ticky, no laundry. If you don't pay, they're not going to supply you with gas. And then what happens? And they could just shut the gas off tomorrow and just say, you know, this is an economic war against the Russian people, blah, blah, blah. And just, you know, and it takes time. You can't just go out there and shut the valve. So they have to slowly... Gazprom would have to shift things around, but it can be done. And I don't, has this, has this like factored into the decisions for all these sanctions and everything? You know, we have people sitting there saying things like, and they're not serious people. I'm just talking about regular hoi polloi on Twitter, which is probably not a good thing to repeat, but you know, well, we should pay the price, you know, for, you know, democratically, okay, then go shut your gas meter off. It just has, you can take a wrench and close it. I mean, it's not, what you think it is. Um, you're talking about deprivation, okay? And uh, I don't think people really understand what that means when you start shutting these things off. So gas is one thing. This is not something that can be solved in a month or two or even years. It would take several, many years of concerted policy to do this. And you still have politicians in the EU dragging their feet. It's like we've talked about before. People still don't understand that energy security is economic and political security, right? Um, and I don't think that many politicians still understand that. You know, we've seen some discussion in Germany about shifting back to nuclear and stuff like that, but we don't have any firm commitments. And even if you wanted to, it would take years. So um, this is something to consider. Who supplies Europe's oil? Let's go down the list, right? Here's... Uh, Rosneft, right, from Russia, Luke Oil. I mean, now you're at 20, probably 30% right there. What's the next Russian company? Gazprom. So, you know, 35, 40% of, of Europe's oil comes from Russia, you know? And what would that, what, if, you took, <laughs> if you took 4% of the oil from, from Europe, it would, it would be a problem. Um, 40%? And what we're already seeing is people are, the, the sanctions and companies are so scared, 
And you've already seen like Shell and some other companies divest. They're going to divest billions of dollars of investment in, in Russian oil fields. They're just going to walk away from these things. And, you know, the only company that's not as tall as a French company, uh, the French Macron is being a little bit more mature about this. And I think sees the bigger picture, but, um, you know, just saying you're going to replace it from the rest of the world. Well, you see what's happening with world oil, oil prices. You're in a situation where you, the, the Russians are still able to export gas and oil. No sanctions have been put on that. Politicians in the West are making noises about it, but shipping companies, tanker companies are scared to do it because they're scared that of the repercussions in, in the PR and whether their insurance companies will insure them, whether their banks will finance. So there's a lot of gray area ambiguity so everything just stops and that's why you see oil prices going up so this is like self-imposed and uh we're just not going to take the oil now and so there's not even any regulations or if there are they're just so ambiguous that people don't know what to do and in the meantime you know you're starting to see the results just after a couple days i'm currently sitting here at about one o'clock in the afternoon on Friday, Central Time, and I have Brent crude at 115 a barrel, up 5%. So this is going to continue until somebody, you know, wakes up and tries to give people some guidance on this or figure out what's really going on. And, uh, you know, we knew that we were already short on inventories were being drawn down, not enough investment. This is just accelerating. This war. It's just accelerating everything that we thought would happen over the next two or three years to right now. And this is like self, this is like death by cop. You know, you see this on the news, people, these people will be hold, held, hold up, uh, they'll like commit a crime or something and, or they'll shoot somebody. And then the SWAT team comes and the person's in a house or a building, they won't come out and they're screaming at back and forth at the cops. And then they tell them to come out with their hands up. And then the person comes out, you know, guns blazing, suicide by cop, and they shoot him down. Well, that's, you know, that's what the Europeans are doing. It's just suicide by self-inflicted failure to think this thing through. Uh, and what does that mean? We don't know. We don't know what's going to happen. There's so many um, decision paths that could happen. And I think that, you know, I think that, you know, that might be part of the Russian plan. They might know and understand this, that they just have to wait you know, conclude the military operation in a methodical, timely manner, which they have had setbacks, but, you know, they have taken the equivalent of land of about the equivalent same square miles of the UK. So this is a major operation. It takes more than two or three days. And so have they had setbacks? Absolutely. Um, have they had armor columns get blown up? Absolutely. Do they, are they on a timeline because their population is going to, yes, Yes, and yes, this can't drag out for a year. This can't drag out for six months, okay? But in the meantime, you know, is that the bet that Western politicians are make? Who is more able to withstand pressure from their population for economic deprivations? Russia, which has more of an autocratic um, situation, or the West, which has still at least democratically elected politicians that have to respond to election cycles and populations that are not used to uh, deprivation. So there's a lot of things in play right now. In the meantime, things keep, you know, things that we need to live keep going up and going up in price. And the complaints are going to start pretty soon. I mean, you see the little stickers. I saw them. I've seen them at several gas stations now 
uh, in Houston and even down here in the Valley where I live, you know, where the gas pump total goes there and they have a picture of a dilapidated looking Biden pointing at the it's a sticker somebody put on there and says, I did that. You know, in the end, the media can blame the Russians, the media can blame whatever. But in the end, we have election cycles and people, you know, uh, it, it's always about the economy and people who don't want their standard of living going down. You know, it's, it doesn't cost you, it doesn't cost a person anything to put a Ukrainian flag on their Twitter feed or whatever, or, you know, United We Stand and all this stuff. There's no cost to that. But if your standard of living is going down, if you have shortages, if you, um, the price of food doubles and the price of gasoline's five or six dollars a gallon, then you're paying a real price. Are you willing to pay that price for a long period of time? I would suggest people in the West and particularly in the US are not willing to pay the price. And I think that's the Russians have put that into their calculations. So let's talk about this. Here is something that really bothers me and scares me. Basically, what has occurred is you have the largest wheat exporter in the world just invaded the fifth largest wheat exporter in the world. And that's going to have unknown and possibly very, very bad effects for hundreds of millions of people around the world. So what do I mean? Here you have Russia as the uh, top exporter in 2021, Ukraine down here. Of course, you have the United States and the European Union, Canada. And, you know, these things are not like you do have carryovers. I haven't had time to get into what the carryover is of the wheat stockpiles. And, you know, Ukraine also grows other things like corn and stuff like that, seed oils like sunflower. But, you know, I can tell you right now that the Russians are not going to be, they're going to clamp down on their exports. Um, there will be no exports from Ukraine this year because the areas that grow the most wheat and the prime farmland is right now in the conflict zone. There's combat taking place there. So, you know, in 30 days um, is when planting starts in these areas in Ukraine. That's not going to happen. There's not going to be very little exports, if any, from, I mean, not, not to mention the fact that with the exception of Odessa, um, the Russians control the entire Black Sea uh, cities port cities that are grain export cities like uh, Kherson, Nikolaev. I mean, eventually I would suspect Odessa, Mariupol, all these places are controlled by Russian forces now. And so this is a mess. Ukraine feeds a lot of people around the world and it's not, you can just snap your fingers. This is what I keep talking about, about how precarious these markets can be. One or 2% difference. And you're talking about, you know, major amounts of grain not being exported. So why does, why does anybody in the U.S. care? Well, like I said, here's the, if you can see, this is the wheat harvested areas. And these are some of the prime locations where combat operations are taking place. Western Ukraine doesn't have very good um, grain growing areas. Look at, this is the Carpathian Mountains. You're not going to grow anything, virtually anything there. And so the main areas that are in conflict are their main grain growing. So, you know, you don't just snap your fingers and go out there and start cultivating. You have to gather your inputs there's a supply chain that's disrupted now, bridges and roads, infrastructures destroyed. It's just not going to happen. And so this is a problem. So who's it going to be a problem for? Well, here's the top wheat importers, you know, Egypt, Turkey, Nigeria, 
the Philippines, Morocco, um, depending on what charts you look at or information, but it's a lot of places that are not politically stable to begin with. I take your, uh, take your Wayback Machine to, I think it was 2011, when we had the, we had the uh, what they called the Arab Spring, if you will. Uh, that was not about democracy. That was about food prices going up and subsidies being cut by the governments and the populations becoming very, very upset. And so what I'm telling you is, is that we are, in a, we are creating a situation here collectively as the world uh, where we are going to be looking at shortages of grains. And this is going to affect a lot of people that have nothing to do with this conflict. I mean, I'm talking about people actually starving to death, literally starving to death. And it's not like the U.S. and I mean, right now there needs to be a major push and I'm not hearing it from anybody to plant every acre, even marginal acre, if we can, you know, but our supply chain is not ramped up for that either. You have to, the seed manufacturers, the fertilizer uh, industry, they just can't ramp up. So I don't know if this has been well thought out by anybody. So here's news today. This is why I talk about that ratchet effect that now Russia can start playing its economic uh, cards. You know, we played our card. Our card was to sanction, have put the worst sanctions, financial, or financial nuclear weapon on the Central Bank of Russia and various other banks. That can't be played again. That card has been played and has sent a message to Iran, China, North Korea, India, all these other countries um, that, you know, Brazil, all these countries that, you know, if you do not get in line with the U.S., we will use a financial nuclear weapon on, uh, on you to try to force you to do what we want you to do, which I'm not going to comment on the policy being correct or incorrect. I'm just telling you. So you get to play that card once. Now what are you going to do? Now all these other countries, do you think China – this is why China and Russia were de-dollarizing for the last 10 years. This is why they created a backup to SWIFT. Now, I'm not saying it's going to be the same, but now that, don't you think that will be accelerated now? Do you think everybody that's sitting in these various capitals and these governments isn't absorbing the information and seeing what's happening? They are. And so Russia now is starting to play its cards. Russia recommends fertilizer makers to halt exports. Russian ministry cites logistics issues on fertilizers. Okay, so again, we also have shippers in the West or people that would take these things and go to the port. I commissioned a ship to go to whatever Russian port. It's not a Russian ship. And the, the, the company that owns it is saying, wait a minute, um, if I go there and pick this up, I mean, there was a uh, ship that was a, it was a, it was a product ship that was um, trying to offload diesel in Canada and it was turned back, it has nowhere to go because no one will accept the cargo now because everybody's, you know, backing up Ukraine and we got to punish the Russians. And so where does the diesel that that was going to, where does that come from? You see the, you see what the issue is here? And so we're seeing the start of this. And so here's what we see, right? Here's European fertilizer prices. You have uh, gas prices, which are in um, green here natural gas and fertilizer prices are going parabolic. This is just happening now. 
the world agricultural system that supports the seven, almost eight billion people on this earth is a industrial level supply chain, massive system. The row crops like corn and wheat and these different things require a tremendous amount of chemical inputs into the soil in order to get the harvest that we've enjoyed. This is going to be a problem, folks. Um, even in the US, um, I think I talked about publicly buying um, fertilizer makers. I haven't really recommended them in the newsletter, but you can see what's happening. This is just after like a week of this. Okay, They were already up massively at the end of 2021 because of gas prices and the shortages and the things that were happening uh, in Europe because of the self-inflicted gunshot wounds of pursuing ESG. Okay, And now you have this self-imposed this, this economic war that's going on with a country that supplies people with things that they need. And you're not taking those uh, anymore. And this is what you have, okay? And so the price of these things can rise high enough to, you know, there's a window to plant. It's not just, well, eventually these things will come down and we'll be, be fine. The grain, the, the, the harvests around the world are gonna be down. I can't forecast how big this year. So you have to wait till next year to start planting again. OK, so if the inputs get too high, the farmer says, I can't afford this. I don't see people in the West saying, farmers, we're going to subsidize you. Go out and pay that fertilizer. We need those grains planted. And you have a window to plant, OK, so that the crop can grow and mature and so you can get a, get a harvest. I don't see anybody talking about this. This is very dangerous for many people that have nothing to do with this. Here's wheat futures making all-time highs. They spiked up. Well, the market wakes up to this. They know they're processing this information. Um, is this sustainable? I don't know. I, I, I mean, there's so much fog of war and chaos in the markets right now. Is this the ultimate price? Does it go up two or three times from here? I don't know. And what does that mean for everyone on earth? Okay. And uh, this is very dangerous. This is a very dangerous situation. And no one, the knock-on effects have not been thought through on this. And so I tell this slide, we might actually need Russia. So here is uh, the mayor. Russia is a major supplier of key raw materials, okay? I mean, platinum, palladium, okay, I get that. But look at oil. Russia supplies 8% of the world's oil, okay? You can't just replace that by snapping your fingers, okay? Um, that's why the oil price keeps going up. Um, cargoes are not moving out of Russia because people are, like I said, it's self-imposed by the West. They're just going, people, tanker companies are going, I don't wanna, you know, am I gonna be able to offload this? What's gonna happen? Who's gonna insure this? Where's the trade financing? How do I get paid? Am I gonna get paid? Am I gonna be put on CNN as this, you know, you know, profiting from this? and. You know, so everybody's just frozen. They don't know what to do. You've got to freeze up in the world commodity markets. So here's gas, 6.2% of the world's gas. Nickel, 5% of the world's nickel. Remember, it only takes a little bit of a percentage on either side to have a drastic price increase or pass price decrease. Okay, wheat, aluminum. Aluminum prices are going nuts. Coal prices, met coal prices are through the roof. They're like, I think I saw Seaborn met coal $400 a ton. I mean, Peabody, a stock that we have talked about publicly, a lot of people are on, I think it's closing in on 30 bucks or 25 or 30 bucks a share. 
copper, okay, copper's looking to break out and go, you know, above $5 a pound. I mean, we got a big problem here. And here's the problem, folks, especially with oil. I don't know how high can go. We're at 115 Brent right now, 120, 130, 150, $200 a barrel. At some point, that's going to cause an economic recession slash depression. The, the, the precarious natures of the debt-laden Western countries, OECD countries, do not allow them to function with very, very high uh, material inputs, the price of these materials. People, you know, if you're spending all your money on gasoline to get back and forth to work, you're not, there's no discretionary spending going on. Your food prices are going to go up, your energy prices are going to go up, and, you know, people in the West, especially in the United States, with all due respect, I know this is going to offend people, they don't, they never had to experience this before, and it's going to be a shock. And I cannot forecast what the political, social, and economic uh, repercussions are going to be. And so we have this chaos going on, minute to minute almost, information. You know, for example, last night I was following this, and the Russians attacked, well, tried to take over. They negotiated first, and the Ukrainians refused to, to, um, surrender the uh basically the largest nuclear power facility in ukraine so there was combat on a live stream from a plant camera where everybody's watching this sixty thousand viewers and of course you know australian uranium stocks you know basically had a flash crash and the, the information is like in real time what's really going on that we well, luckily we find out that these uh, were upgraded after fukushima the eu had spent a lot of money making sure that these the ie IEAE had spent a lot, uh, International Atomic Energy Association, IAEA, spent, you know, this has been raised up and, 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 and is, you know, this is a good design, pressurized water reactors. So we find out later that just the, an old training building had caught fire. It wasn't the actual plant. So, you know, but there was this, you know, crazy amount of misinformation that things going to blow up this is going to be worse than chernobyl yada 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 believe me if the russians wanted to destroy the plant they could have destroyed the plant with cruise missiles why would they do that okay but there's this always this danger right this is what's happening in the markets there's so much misinformation so much fog of war so much chaos and you know even today uh uranium stocks in the west are still down i think urnm was down like eight percent i saw ten percent earlier so i don't know but um, talking more about uranium and how important it is, you know, Ross Adam, which is a state um, company in Russia that basically, you know, is their nuclear company. It can build, design, build, fuel for you, run for you a nuclear reactor. Um, they enrich 50% of the uranium to fuel grade in the world. Okay. So what's the United States? How, how does this work now? Okay. Um, where, you know, just because you extract yellow cake from the ground, it has to be processed and enriched. And most of the enrichment facilities and capacity is in Russia. Uh, I hate to say this, but Marin Katusa wrote a pretty decent book about this several years ago. And I'm not a big fan of his, but uh, he was correct on Russia and looking at how it maneuvered itself into being in these positions. And it goes back to reading, you know, Mr. Putin. People like me saying Mr. Putin, but it is what it is, I, Mr. Biden, whatever. His master's degree paper about using Russia's natural resources to 
allow Russia to get back its respect and get back on the world stage. And now that has been in motion for 20 years. And here we are now. Okay. And the West is unprepared for any of this. There's a lot of bluffing going on by the West. I, I, I don't see how this is going to work out. In the meantime, I've got, you know, we've got basically the commodity bull market we thought was going to happen over a period of years is happening in a couple of weeks. And I don't see leadership in the West de-escalating this uh, or trying to, you know, or having a sense that they understand what the possible repercussions are. You can't just go and say, well, we'll get it from somewhere else. You're not going to get it from somewhere else. You're already constrained capacity-wise everywhere else for most of these things. That's the point I'm trying to make. You know, oil at $150 or $200 a barrel, $200 a barrel is, you know, seven or eight dollar a gallon gasoline for regular that will cause a very deep recession if not depression in the united states that will be a problem politically and socially for the current ruling class in the united states and you can't even you can sit here and try to game out what you think will happen but there's no way to know i can tell you right now you got an election coming up in november in the house of representatives and in the senate and the congress and it's not you know Going into that with record energy prices is not going to be a result that the Democrats are going to, you know, wish on themselves. And then what do you have? You have more de bad decisions being made. We're hearing that, you know, this is already a problem. This is why I'm telling you, I mean, I don't buy into this conspiracy theory that there's these masters of the universe that are just, you know, have this master plan and it's just working like they think and they're just, you know, Dr. Evil in the background. I mean, this is like, not thought out. So now we have negotiations going on with the Iranians to cut a deal on this nuke deal as fast as we can so we can get Iranian crude back on the market to try to alleviate some of this. Uh, this is not well thought out, as I said before. Here we go. You know, nickel, you can't even see it, but it's up here at $13. It's rising so fast after these sanctions. You're at, you know, almost, I think this is record highs for nickel, at least in the last five years. You have basically a tripling. There went your whole ESG battery deal. Okay. You know, uh, Norlisk nickel, which is up in the Arctic, the Soviets created an entire city based around this uh, nickel, huge nickel resource in the north of Russia supplies 23% of the world's high-grade nickel. Again, you can't just go out and snap your fingers and create nickel mines somewhere else. It will take years. So again, uh, maybe the bet is that the sanctions on Russia were so drastic and so extreme that they will force Russia's hand before these things become um, detrimental to the West and the political class in the West that's making these decisions. You know, somebody asked me about carbon credits the other day. I don't really, the last show, and this is why I stay away from government basically made up markets. This was a made up market by the government, by the EU. You had to buy carbon credits and all this. And it wasn't fantastic. Look at this. It's been a fantastic run because uh, this was forced mandated by the, by the EU. You had to buy carbon credits. There's a limited amount. Uh, if you if you can't make the changes or won't make the changes to emit more, you can buy the credits, and that's why there's a limited amount of credits. It's a supply. It's a false market, though. And look what's happened. You had the Italian. It was on Zero Hedge. The Italian um, Manufacturers Association uh, there 
you know, asking for relief on this stuff in the current situation. And so you've seen these carbon credits basically crash. Okay, this market's crashing now because um, you're going to burden the industry in the EU with these record high gas prices and then force them to do these carbon credits in addition. I mean, like I said, it's death by cop. I mean, you're coming out blazing and I don't think it's well thought out. It's irrational and not thought out. Or maybe I, you know, very well, I'm just a guy on the internet. Maybe I, maybe I don't have the intelligence or the ability to see the master plan. Maybe they are thinking way ahead of me in chess. I'm not a grand master. Maybe they have it all figured out in the EU and the US leadership, but uh, I don't uh, think that's the case. And so, you know, I would stay away from these carbon credits. I wouldn't mess with them. I don't like to mess around with markets that are, like I said, made up markets that the government, you know, they're government mandated. And so, you know, they can politically with the stroke of a pen be changed. And so I wouldn't mess around with this. And so what are the possible repercussions? I mean, I could sit here for, you know, with a bottle of Jim Beam and, you know, and, and for four hours pontificate about what could happen. We simply don't know. I mean, are we going to see in the West, are we going to see certain countries now, populists, we're already starting to see some inklings as I think I saw an article, you know, are we going to see windfall profit taxes for oil companies? That's certainly going to happen, I think. Um, probably in the US and uh, Canada, we've already seen the Biden administration demonize the meat industry. They're just, you know, big meats taking advantage of uh, the consumer, you know, and what's going to happen when, uh, you know, big, big cereal makers, you know, Count Chocula went up five times uh, a box of Count Chocula, you know, we need to do it. You know, are there going to be price controls? I mean, this thing could really get stupid. And that's what politicians do, though, right? Because they 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 do we have to respond to the um, to the whims. They have to get reelected now, unless we're just going to spend elections in the West. Uh, I haven't seen anything about that, but uh, maybe that's where they're heading. I don't know, but this has the potential. What I'm trying to tell you is there's tremendous amount of opportunity here, but there is a lot of chaos and a lot of unknowns. This is really really thin ice we're on, and uh, we have to be extremely careful. That's what I wrote to the subscribers in the newsletter this month. So um, I'm not going to sit here and just you know assume we're going to have to roll with the punches. We're going to have to see what happens and ride out the storm. You know. Uh, I spent when I was in the Navy, I spent a lot of time in the Gulf of Alaska on at ADAC, which was uh, we had port operations. We had two tugs there and uh, there was only one Coast Guard cutter for the entire Aleutians. Uh, I think it was out of uh, Dutch Harbor. Um, but we used to have to go on rescue missions or pull barges or barges would break. We had to do all this weird stuff that you don't typically do with a yard tugboat. And, you know, I remember um being in a storm one time helping another tug a, a civilian tug that had broke uh, lost a barge and we had to go out there and we were in 40 foot seas we couldn't do anything until the storm went by we were in 40 foot seas like that movie with marky mark and uh, george clooney i mean i thought i mean it got so bad that the chief of the boat that was uh, running the boat he's a bosun's mate chief that's the highest ranking guy on there he told everybody to put their survival suits on. I, I didn't do it because I said, if this thing goes, I mean, a survival suit's not going to do anything. And the point was, you know, he had to go down and use the head. He's like, get on the helm and just keep this thing into the waves, power up, you know, just don't get sideways or anything like that. And so that's what we're going to have to do, right? We're going to have to go through this storm and just keep us, you know, going power up in. And as, as the waves turn or the wind turns, we're going to have to course adjust, right? So that we don't get swamped. 
but uh, I think there's a tremendous amount of opportunity. I don't want to sound ghoulish, but you know, this is an investing video and I, I read an investment newsletter. I, this is what we have to talk about. So uh, be careful out there. There's a lot of things happening. A lot of things can happen, uh, will happen that we don't expect. And we're just going to have to, you know, think quickly and move quickly. That's why I encourage you to uh, subscribe to the newsletter. We have the Discord channel. There's a lot of great real-time information on there that's happening, a lot of analysis real quick with a lot of smart people. And, uh, you know, we're trying to uh, make our way through this thing. So um, that's it for this week. Uh, I hope this has been useful to you. Um, look forward to the comments. And a lot of people are emailing me. I don't have the answers. People ask me a lot. I just don't know what's going to happen. I'm in the same boat as everybody else. We're just absorbing the information that we get, trying to process it, and trying to make the correct decisions. So um, that's about all I can say. That may not be as soothing or what, what you want to hear, but uh, that's just the facts that as they are now. But uh, eventually, I, I, I think this will blow over. Crisis is due. Wars do. And uh, we'll come back to some norm. So uh, we'll see. Uh, maybe this will escalate uh, into World War III, but I doubt it. But uh, you never know, right? Things, stranger things can happen. I read a, uh, a book about World War I and how it started. And no one really wanted to get into a world war, but somehow it happened, right? And uh, it uh, basically set the stage for all of these problems that we have now for the rest of the 20th century and into the 21st century. So take that as you will. All right, guys, that's it for this week. Uh, appreciate the support. Uh, appreciate you watching. And uh, we'll talk to you next week. Thanks.